Barbara Club is City Librarian and CEO of the Ottawa Public Library in Ottawa, Canada. She's a leading advocate for the benefits of reading, literacy, and public libraries as a core community service. She's the immediate past president of the Canadian Library Association and a past chair of the International Federation of Library Associations Public Libraries section. She has recently received the Queen's Golden Jubilee Medal. Welcome to the Bibliophile. I want to go back 100 years because this is the 100th anniversary Mm -hmm. to uh, 1906. That's when the City Library was officially opened by Andrew Carnegie and at the uh, conclusion of his speech, declaring the library free, which which is an important concept, to all, he said that he'd hoped it would, quote, prove a blessed fountain from which only healing waters flow. I thought that was fascinating because it doesn't talk about reading or education, it talks about healing. That's right, it's very close to the uh, another phrase talking about a library which you find over the portal of a, a library in old, old Alexandria, which talks about the library being the house of healing for the soul. Mm-hmm. So it has to do with, uh, with people's access to, in those days, largely the written word as a way of expanding the soul but also healing the soul from from ignorance or you're healing the wounds of ignorance or, or something like that. I mean, it, it leaves the mind open to yeah. how it might be further described. Yeah, it's interesting. I, what comes to mind for me, and again, I was, our, our interview is going to focus on your role as a librarian at the turn of the 21st century and also the role of the library and the future role of the library. But it's funny, what came to mind for me is I see a library as almost like an oasis in an urban center where people can come and, and relax and read and be quiet. And, uh, and often this is where homeless people uh, spend their times. Yes, we'd have uh, homeless people or people who are, um, they may not be exactly homeless, but they, they feel somewhat excluded or marginalized in society and they come to a public library because it is a place where they feel comfortable. Andrew Cohen is a local journalist uh, and a professor at, at, the, at Carleton. And he talks about the library being the cathedral of curiosity, but also a place for the soul to loaf. A bit like, like Samuel Johnson's right, yeah. interest in, in being exactly. an yeah. Wonderful, wonderful descriptions of the different ways that people um, use the public library when they come in. Nowadays, there's the whole concept developing as the library as place. What people thought was, as we moved into the electronic age, that a library would basically be a little room where people organize the databases and then people, everyone would dial in. But that is happening, but what's also happening is people are coming to the library because it's a neutral ground. It's often very comfortable. They can meet other people or not. They can operate comfortably and independently in that place. But because there are fewer and fewer community places, I mean, Mm -hmm. the other place that people congregate is a mall, but certainly youngsters often don't feel particularly welcome at a mall. Well, and their parents don't wish them to be there either. That's right. There are fewer people going to church. Kids often have to rush away from school in order to get to a job or do this or that. So the public library is a place where tax dollars has been invested for people to congregate on an individual basis mm-hmm. and you don't have to buy anything when you go there and uh, you can loiter that's right you can loiter you don't have to disclose why you're there privacy is important but if you wish to be with people you can do that as well and if you want to work more and more if you want to work with one or two people at a terminal or in a small room working on a paper together you can do that that's what's quite characteristic of new facilities is that there are lots of study rooms, lots of little gathering rooms where people can gather together. Because that's the way, especially young people, work nowadays in terms of writing their papers and doing their projects and creating presentations. The, you know, the library, more and more so, is not going to be a place to, to come to access the material because you'll be able to go to any kind of screen anywhere in the city and access the information and then in the future download it onto your little ebook or print it out or, uh, in your home. So less and less it's a place to come to physically get the, the information and more and more a place possibly to come and talk about what's being read. That's part of it. I mean that that is and will be in the future an important part of the library's place but the reality is that the vast majority of material that is printed 
is never going to be available electronically. I mean, there have been up until now uh, a number of experiments with bestsellers, etc., and they don't, they have not been successful. So the, the current material... Sorry, they've not been successful no. scanning them and putting them into digital format? Yes, the, yes, the technology is there, but people don't access it That's that right. way, and they're not willing to pay for it, right. page by page, etc., no, but again, this is their, these are early days. I mean, that's that's you know, right. Now, basically, are, what you're saying then is that they prefer to get their best sellers, their Daniel Steele, their Grisham, who's what the number one seller yeah. or author that's yeah. taken out mm -hmm. of the library, mm -hmm. in paperback format. Some kind of format that is portable. I mean, yeah. the, the uh, there are some new technologies coming out, and they they we anticipate they're being launched sometime in the next year of the prototypes we've, we've looked at them already this is Sony um, Sony's ebook that's or? right yeah uh -huh. but a lot of they're this supposed to have been sorry to interrupt but they're supposed to have been launched last spring exactly and it's coming and da 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 but the, the fact remains that all of that is proprietary so then you have to buy a special reader and uh, you know so un, until the industry sorts that out and sorts out the access issues and makes things more ubiquitous we're a long maybe not a long way but we're Oh, some some ways away mm. from that, but the fact remains that there is a whole lot of other material, particularly magazine runs, databases, etc., for more uh, sort of to drill down into more longitudinal information that can be made available and can be accessible electronically, and which is why we're getting involved with uh, we're we're part of a whole big development called Knowledge Ontario which is taking a provincial approach to, to approach to licensing databases and making them available through the public library, through the school libraries, etc., by negotiating one license rather than all of us negotiating with the vendors. What about me as a uh, member of the general reading public? Can mm -hmm. I, as opposed to me having to go directly to the vendor to get access to their database, can I then go to the library and get it for free? And wouldn't that tick off the vendor? Well, no, we buy access. And we, which is what we do now. We spend approximately a quarter of a million dollars a year buying access to proprietary databases for the public to use. They are not available to an individual. You oh, can't right. get them. Got These it. are... Um, for example, for example, uh, health indexes, the alternative health index, all these articles. Though you can't get those articles on what we call the open web. Okay. Those are proprietary. They, they have, they have invested a, a lot of money to, to digitize, to index, etc. And there's also a payment scheme back to authors in in those. All links to copyright as well. So we pay on an annual basis as a library. We then joined a consortium of large public libraries that is being expanded to schools and universities. You know, we're just waiting for the first announcement after the first first round of negotiations. Um, so the vendors will still get paid, but they'll get we'll get a better. Everybody, we hope, will get a better deal. So, so that's that's coming. In other words, what they're doing is uh, they're accessing the general public market that market through the libraries that's right, rather that's right. than going directly to various uh, organizations, institutions, companies. Every user has to be authenticated and so the user would have to put in, in Ottawa, you would have to put in your library card number and your PIN number just mm -hmm. as you do for other services at the library. And So that what that means is that, sure, you can dial into the library right now and you can get access to a whole lot of databases remotely, put in your, your library card number and your PIN number. But if you live in Hong Kong and don't have a library card, you can't do that. So that's. But we are contractually bound to establish that kind of authentication because we're dealing with their product. Copyright, yeah. Yeah, so what it means is part of the development in the next little while is negotiating as big a license as we can on a provincial level to get as much content available to the client group, which are students, regular public, etc., but also making it available as remotely. There are some database vendors who will not allow people to access things remotely. So they'll have to come into they the library. They have to come into the library. Into the we library. would love to provide home Remote. access. Yeah. They, won't, they won't do it. tends to be the French databases that, that won't allow home access. But, I mean, it's wonderful to be able to sit at home, as I did a couple of months ago, work on a, a presentation, and I needed an article from the Harvard Business Review. So I go into the library database, one of the indexes, in the past, you'd pull up the citation, then you'd have to trot off to the library and get the article. Now you get the article. You get the article. You know, when yeah. we used to do research in the library when we were students, you, you go to the indexes, and then we thought it was, you know, we, we thought the world had changed when they automated the indexes. Hmm. Well, 
you know, now you can get the article as well. But I remember, what, 15 years ago, let's say, 15, 20 years ago, when the fax machines came in, boy, did that ever speed up business transactions. Yeah. Like, faster and faster and, and greater access to more information. Right. Uh, which is bound to uh, allow the healing waters to That's flow. Right. About two or three years ago, I read a biography of George Soros in the Soros Foundation. And in that, he claims that it was his foundation's provision of fax machines to the to groups but universities in uh, Easter, East Bloc countries that actually was the key driver in terms of the fall of communism and the Berlin Wall. Your role as a librarian right now, as I mentioned, I, uh, this, this could be look, a, a companion interview to the one that uh, just completed with Phil Jenkins who's written who wrote uh, the library book, An Overdue History of the Ottawa Public Library, 1906 to 2001. We, got, we sort of chronologically worked through the book until we got to Barber Club. So now we have Barber Club. Mm -hmm. So if you could uh, tell us about what you do. First of all, I report to a board. So there, there's a governing authority. That board is a creature of the, of the municipality and municipal councils. So you're part small p politician in terms of dealing with a governing body which is part political appointment but it's all political politically appointed but part citizen part councillor and then you have constant interaction with city hall both with the political level but very largely with the with the huge political machinery because we're in ottawa I personally uh, am required to interact a lot with the federal government on any number of federal programs, which would include copyright, which would include Aboriginal services, which would include literacy funding. It's always program and funding related. Basically then, you, your role is first of all to try and get as much money out of the city as you can and then spend it in ways that best reflect the needs of your client base. Yes, the, the whole goal of the library is to provide access to resources in a variety of ways. And also that brings up the question of is it a prescriptive or a reflective approach? Are you reflecting what you think the, the general public in Ottawa wants to read or are you filling the library with information that you think is the most valuable for them? It's a combination of both. I would say that when libraries first began developing at the turn of the last century and even before then, it was much more prescriptive. And librarians would purchase what they felt was good for people. There was always room for people to suggest titles. I'm not meaning to say that, that it, was, it was rigid, but because resources were extremely limited, they often felt they had to confine. And I remember reading a report, I'm trying to remember the year, it would have been the first 20 years of the library, where they reluctantly agreed with the board to put more money into the fiction budget. But they really felt that fiction was, that it was so important to have access to non-fiction. Yeah. So it was and more of an educational that's role. That's right, it played a much more of an educational role. Now we see our role as uh, educational, recreation, and cultural. So we, we have those three bridges. But I would say that we try to be reflective of what the community wants. And that's, you'll see a lot of that in many other libraries as well. They will, and and you know, that's why you'll see differences in what libraries do, because different communities have different needs. There's lots that are the same, but that there, there are some that would be different. For instance, if you're in a community like Windsor, you might put more resources into literacy, because the, you know there's some studies to show that the that's what they need there. Mm. We need we need it here too, but they know that that, that they've been working no, on that for a long and time. And cars maybe too. Maybe cars, maybe although that, that might be something that they have lots of uh, ordinarily. Um, if you're um, in an inner city library like Tower Hamlets in London where 40% is Pakistani, your collection would look very different than if you were in St. John's Woods in London, for instance, or in, in another, say, Birmingham or, or Chester. So what that implies is that you figure out what it is people want. You have ways of figuring. So you so do you surveys. Do, right. And so just in the past year, you've done uh, Ottawa's 100 favorite books. That's right. So great we had way a, to get Yeah, we had, a, we had a vote for that. We're yeah. just in the process of we're, we're looking at a, a software so that we can do spot surveys so that 
we don't we're not just restricted to every every year every couple of years we do a big survey that we have a, a quicker and faster way of doing spot surveys about what people want we also of course have a process where people can make suggestions and we purchase about 90, 93% of what people suggest that we buy if we don't have it. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so that's just another way of being responsive. We keep track of questions that people ask. We keep track of what people just talk about. You know, They may not put in a formal request. Yeah. We have a pretty solid process of reviewing all of the weekly book lists so that we make sure we have those in our collection. Book because lists for the bestsellers? Or yeah, book lists, well, book lists for New York Times Book Review, yeah. New York Review of Books, Maclean's, Globe and Mail, Citizen. Those would be reviewed on an ongoing, like on a weekly basis. And so you want to get the ones, again, that people are reading about. That's but right. You, but you also... Because we know that people read those those things, and we know that that's, what, that's largely what people will be asking for because plus you want to get the best record you know the, right. the books that are ha most highly regarded based on the critical uh, judgment of yeah we, we go through the book reviews as well as the book the book lists sometimes the Times Literary Supplement might might review a book that is we don't from our knowledge of our people and what they need is not something that we would we would buy for the collection, but we can always get it on interlibrary loan if someone wants it. Yeah. So it's a it's a constant judgment call. So these purchases take, take place on a weekly basis throughout the whole year. Yeah, right. yeah. and increasingly we use something called uh, a process called ARP, which is the automatic release plan, where we will provide develop a profile of an area that we want to build or that we want to maintain, and then we send it to a vendor, and then they just send the material to us automatically as the new stuff comes out. So this would be this would be a vendor who would then you, you give them the you know criteria and then they would go and purchase it from all of the different publishers yeah. and then send it to you. Yeah, so. we the, it, we use jobbers a lot. Jobbers are book wholesalers, mm -hmm. and we so we we use S and B. There's S and B. There's White Hots. There's any number of them, uh, and you know we change them periodically because we test their service delivery and we you know we have all those little things that we do to make sure we're still getting good value for the for the dollars that we're investing in them. At any rate. That is a that is a process that many 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 libraries use okay. um, to uh, speed up the acquisition because it's really important to have material. You can't wait for Fresh. months and months. Yeah, and you, that's yeah, right. exactly. Because you don't and want to disappoint course, the people yeah, coming that's right. to the library. And we know, for instance, like a Harry Potter, we would have that in advance. As a matter of fact, we have the last couple of titles. We had them in the library on embargo. I mean, we have to sign away our life and blood <laughs> yeah. that we will not release them, etc. But it's so that when... Or tell anyone what's in them. Exactly. Yeah, we're not even supposed to read them. But so they come, I think they come wrapped in plastic, I can't remember. But at any rate, so that we can respond. What also happens is that when, we, when a book is on, is on order, it usually goes into the catalog so, so people can actually see that it's on. It may, it may not be in, but it's on order and they can see that it's going to be coming one of these days. Yes. And yes. Uh, Ottawa's always had a really good reputation for the quality of its collection and the depth of its collection, even though it's not an historical collection and we weed on a constant basis uh, because we know that the vast majority of the users, of the uses of the collection is, is with material that's a, got a five-year copyright or less. That's just pretty normal in public libraries. People no. want the new material. Not the old stuff. With the new editions, you mean? New new books with new new copyright. Like within the last, the the vast majority of what people want to read is want has to been read. written within the past that's right. five yeah. years. Yeah, the copyright. other stuff, the, the classic stuff, is yeah. is what that's. Well, they want to read that too. Sometimes, yeah. So the the in terms of percentage of the books that are signed out of the library, what percentage have been published in the last five years then? You know what? I don't know, but I can find out. But I wouldn't. So I, you think I'm not you, sure. You're saying it's it, significant, though. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the thing is, what that does is that it drives us to keep weeding and weeding and weeding the collection of the older materials because we know that those those things get read out. So so you then move it off to the, you know, to the second. No, not the classics, though. No, the no, great no, works. No. They're always going to be important to have. But what you're saying yeah. is the stuff that the older fiction, hmm. and and so you go through and you check. We have computer-generated lists that show us what's gone out, and so if it's an older book that's gone out a lot, then you would keep it. I mean, so the, you know, you don't just blindly go on copyright day. The uh, research also shows that uh, if you have a cramped and crowded library, based on perhaps a misguided idea that every book is precious, that it's, it's not as well used as a library that is well weeded and has is, is got space between the shelves. Recently, Richmond in BC was renovating their main library, so they had to remove a huge portion of the material off-site 
while the renovations were going on, their circulation actually went up. In other words, by limiting the selection, you increase the, the, uh, the usage. That's what the, we're trying some uh, new approaches with our new library down in, this, in Greenboro. I don't know if you've been down there. Mm. We're trying to demystify the library in terms of the Dewey Decimal System and all of that. And shelving, using the concept of a power wall, and having a lot of material, a limited range of materials, but in high demand topics, and multiple copies. Well, isn't it's the 20, 80 percent, 20 percent rule. That's right. Yeah, it's the 80 20. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. So, so that's what we're doing, and we're also putting a big emphasis on uh, talking books and on and on DVDs because that's that's the medium that people operate in now. And uh, as a result, the circ there is probably going to be in the neighborhood of three quarters of a million a year. That'll be the second highest circ after the main library. Because. Because we're merchandising. We're merchandising the material in a more effective way. But it's the whole concept of, of making the visit to the library an enjoyable, inspiring thing to do. Well, also, too, I mean, this is, you know, it gets back to our prescriptive versus reflective. In a way, you, you, it sounds to me like what you're doing is you're saying, okay, well, these books are really good books. Mm-hmm. And uh, you come in here, and we've done, the work, we've done some of the work for you by defining what we think are really good books. Yeah. So Which is more and more what people are looking for on the internet, right. internet, by the way. That's right. They want they want help because they're in. They hurry. want recommend exactly. They exactly. want recommend. They don't want to fuss through all sorts of stuff that's going to waste their time. Exactly. They want the best stuff. Yeah, we will always have the readers who are you know reading through an author or do you know, mm-hmm. and they know exactly what they want, and yeah. and so it's it's a question of balancing the two. It's it's because we know that a whole lot of people who come into a library are browsers. They're not really sure what they want but they, they'll probably know it when they see it. We have the other group, which is not the bulk, but it's, a, it's a, still a, a good percentage of them, mm. who come in, I want this book and this book and this book. And then there's a group who are a bit of both. You know, they'll come in, they look for one book, and as they pass the shelf, and that, that's what I am. You'll, you'll see a couple more that catch your fancy, but increasingly, people are really busy. And so the easier you make their choice and their, their visit to the library, the more pleasurable than the better job you're doing in terms of a tax-based institution. You're serving as an arbiter now, perhaps more so than you might have in the past. Well, I think we've always been that, but now we're trying to you know, be as smart as possible about it, given that we have to divide the collection dollar up into print and non-print and DVD, and now what we're going to be having, we're just finishing the final touches on the program, it's called Overdrive. So people will be able to go into the library catalog from home, not from the library. And they will be able to access books, electronic books, and they'll be able to download them onto their own computer, and they'll have them for three weeks, and then they disappear. But if they want to burn them onto a hard drive, they can, uh, onto their hard drive or burn them onto a DVD or a CD, they can do that too. This and is stuff that's it. not copyrighted anymore? It's copyrighted material. And they don't mind that? No, that's part of the contract. They allow people to download and burn the individual for home use. Isn't that cutting into their revenues? It may be, but... Who's the contract with? It's a company called Overdrive. It's the and name what of the titles do they have specifically? Uh, I don't have a list of the titles, but we've held back because we wanted them to add French titles, and they are adding French titles, but I can certainly get but you a list of the titles. They're, they're mainstream, kind yeah. of? Like yeah. they're, they're Harry Potter, they're... I don't know if they're Harry Potter, and I'm not sure. See, they have to negotiate the copyright with each of the each of the writers that they add to the list. It doesn't make sense. Why would they Why would they allow for that if it cuts into their revenues? But then again, I guess the library I mean, system does that it anyway. It seems it? like that's a that's an economic model that works. They're, I mean, they're just going great guns. There's more and more. They're signing more and more libraries all the time. So if they make their money because you pay them. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and then they, they filter some of that back to the That's publisher. Right. And the well, you see, what they do is they negotiate for, for the one title, and then they sell that negotiated right that we buy access, and Burnaby buys access, and Toronto buys access, and Fraser Valley buys access. How, so how much do you pay for access? I think it was around $68,000. Hundreds of titles? Yeah. Okay. And I think there's 400 French titles. We wanted them to add French titles, so that's why we're we're slow to the game. There's lots of lots of other libraries that have signed on, but we're um, we were we we always have to wait to make sure that we have a good mix. So downloadable audio. So it's a talking book you're you're downloading. So you download it and you can listen to it. See, that's why you burn it onto you burn the the, the words onto the okay. CD. Uh, I do want to get back to, I want to get a little bit controversial. (laughs) Again, talking about reflecting the interests of your patrons. Mm -hmm. Do you keep a record of what I read? No. 
because I know the United in the United States there was some controversy about the government trying to access mm -hmm. the library records. They do that. They do that. Yeah. You're not allowed to. No, it's not a question of not being allowed to, because it's possible. We just don't do it because of privacy. Wouldn't that be a great way to get a handle on which books are most in demand? It's not that we don't have track of what people are taking out. It's just that we sever the link between the individual user yeah, and the okay. titles that are being So in other words, you do have data on every single title, how many yeah. times we've taken out. Yeah. So obviously that would help you in terms of, mm -hmm. well, we mm -hmm. don't need these because they can be taken out right. in five years. So That's right. That's right. And on a sort of a regular schedule, the branches receive what's called the, uh, the zero list, and it's material, it's the stuff that's in their circulating collection that hasn't gone out, and when is the last time it went out? And so they look at those and they, they try and determine which should be eliminated from the collection. Now, sometimes it's because the stuff is maybe used in the library, and so they have to kind of keep that in mind so that they have to be aware of the stuff that gets left on the tables. But um, if it hasn't been taken out in a certain period of time, that's, that's a good indication that perhaps it can be removed from the collection. And you know, librarians are hoarders, so it's a, you have to sort of, you're kind of working against your own type when you're weeding your collection. But the fact is that if someone comes in and says, I want this title and it's old, say 10, 15 years old, and it's just been weeded, we can get it on interlibrary loan. Someone out there has not weeded it yet, yeah. so it's not as if it's yeah, gone so forever. It's, yeah. No, but the issue of, of severing the record is a really important one. As soon as a book is returned, if it's returned and it's there's no question about a fine or anything, then the, the link between the reader and the and the circulation function has is severed. It's sort of the same as the search exactly. with Google. Like yeah. If you get a handle on what people are searching, you get a really good idea of who they are. Yeah. It's, it's the library coming out of the library and going into your home. That's what the internet yeah. is, really. That's right. That's really. right. So, but I mean, obviously, you have to be concerned about the accuracy of the credibility and the accuracy of the information on the internet, but when, you, know, you do a little bit of you go yeah. to the right sources. And yeah. yeah, but you you sort of moved into a very controversial or a very uh, a challenging issue, and that is what's better, Google or Google or the library. Yeah. Now, in some little tests, we've out Googled, we've outdone Google, but that's sort of what does the, that mean? You've outdone well, the, the Phil Inquirer did a little did a little had a little contest, and who could come up with the right answer as fast as us or Google, and we won. They tested the huh. Ottawa Public Library and Google. Specifically, how that? What happened? We got you mean we you got won? the right answers, and we got them faster. Right, but what did they do? They went to your website. No, no, they, they called they, you up on the they, phone. Yeah, they called. They asked it of the reference staff. So oh, the so they called staff. you up on the phone and they said, "We That's need right, to yeah. know." Well, they it's, had, it's they sort had of some a, questions. It's like a reference. It would probably be like a reference question. Did they did it with the reference staff and they did it with Google and the reference staff did better? But that's really that's extra no, it's extraordinary. Yeah, though, it's, neither, it's neither here nor there really. But the question is, there are a number of studies starting to emerge. Yeah, but sorry, just to interrupt, but it's like the, it's the, the indiv every individual is now, uh, it would be incumbent and, and beneficial for every individual out there to uh, obtain the, the kind of uh, education that a librarian has in a way, because that's what everyone's becoming a librarian in a sense, because they're, yeah, they're accessing right. information that's and right. they need to know how to do it in a way that gets the right information, which, yeah. is, which is what librarians have done for us. They've done that for us, and now we're getting access to all sorts of information and so we need to get yeah. the same kind of... That's right, and it's, it's just like people accessing all, all kinds of health information and they walk into the doctor's office with wads and wads and wads of paper and mm -hmm. the doctor's... And in some cases they've, they've out-doctored the doctor because the doctor's only one person and how can they read everything uh, on one disease and this person is like uh, insanely interested in this disease so they've, just, they've immersed themselves in it. But on the other hand, there's a discernment that a doctor would have and a, hopefully a library professional would have that could separate the wheat from the chaff. Well, the discernment primarily is, is this source legitimate or not? Exactly, exactly. And is the data, is it the most current data, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, but increasingly, some studies are showing that for a lot of people, Google is good enough. Now, that may be tragic, but that's fact. That's, you know, that's reality. Well, if you're smart enough and you use Google, and you know what legitimate what sources are legitimate and which aren't, then it's going to be more than good enough. Yeah, exactly. On the other hand, you know, people come into libraries and they start themselves off in Google, but they they get confused, and so there's some assistance that's needed. Also, there's so much stuff out there that a lot of libraries have taken, like the Toronto Public Library for the province has developed the Virtual Reference Library. It's like sort of the best of the web. You know, we're doing it for the French. So it's almost like an arbiter. Sifting through all sorts of stuff and saying this is, this is where the useful, That's accurate right. information. That's right. So, but the question is, with the speed with which websites are being established, 
how long can you keep, you know, can you really keep that up? Yeah. So we're, we're now rethinking how that works. The other thing is that um, the database vendors that we deal with and the, what we call the ILS, the, the, this is the vendor that supplies our catalog functionality, you know, our, our big catalog. Um, they are themselves working with Google so that when people uh, do a search, they will not only find the this, that, and the other thing, but they will, it will lead them to the library in their hometown, you know, in terms of where they're coming from. And so one of the resources that it will pop up will be the resources of the library. So it's merging those two. In things. other words, it'll say this book is available at your local yeah, library. Could be, yeah, it could go down that far, or this database is available, or, yeah. So we will be part of the response universe that comes up from a search. Well, Google, Google is, you know, despite all oh, they're into all kinds of things. They're amazing, too. That's right. And, and also, there's concerns about, obviously, they're going to, you know, have control of all this information, but they're doing some magnificent things, too. They're doing the same sort of thing for local uh, independent booksellers. Yeah. I mean, you always have to remember that Google is there to promote advertising. I mean, they're, yes. they're support. That's so you, right. you, as long as you remember what their core business is, then if you can leverage their functionality to work for you and work for your clients, then that's that's all good stuff. Yeah. But it, it uh, certainly means that the job of a chief li- city librarian is to yes. sort of roll back to that really issue. So it's part politician. It's part community linkages, developing the community. I'm going to speak to the Rotary Club. The interesting thing about a public library is that it's always about an institution and its employees linking to the community one person at a time mm-hmm. because it's an individual service. I mean, sure, you have mass market approaches in terms of your advertising, but when those people come in the door, you're dealing with one person at a time, which is really interesting, and it makes that connection, which means that you know you have to develop your staff so that they, they, it's part of their um, approach to services that it's you know, you're not just there checking out your books, checking out books as a you know as a circuit clerk would be doing. You're representing the whole organization. Mm-hmm. So very much, it's very much client centered. Absolutely, very very much client centered. Yeah. It's always a challenge because some staff mistakenly get the idea that the book is the client rather than the person is the client. And why? Because if you, just, if you think about it for a minute, we have eight nine million items going out. Nine million coming back in. Every year. A lot of staff, yeah, responsible for making sure you get all of the nine million or as many of them as possible back in. Well, they're protective of the books, but but they're also protective of the investment that the city, you know, that the taxpayer has made in in that resource, etc. All that stuff. So sometimes we have to overcome our protectiveness and listen to the dog ate my book kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. The idea is that you're interested in getting the content out to these people and, yeah. and, and allowing that to go through their minds rather than the actual physical book, which, you know, that's what costs the money. Exactly. Increasingly, too, um, public libraries, and I can't speak as, as authoritatively for other types of libraries, but um, we are finding that uh, we have to restructure the budget to some extent so that we can provide for outreach. Now, what does that mean? It means that we have to have... We release time for people to go out and work and meet with community groups. I am a book lover. Mm-hmm. I use the library a fair amount, but the problem is I have so many books at home that mm-hmm. I typically always lose my library books within my own li- books at home. And, and you need I, a library shelf. I, so I, I need a book, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and I, of course, I, I pay quite a bit of money in fines for the library, which I don't have. Over a million no dollars, they take it every I, year. Yeah, I don't spend quite that much, but yeah. over a million dollars a year, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. For the city, it's an important part of the budget. To this point, let's recap. The generic role of a city librarian is... Politics, leadership, management, professional development, and that can come under leadership as well. The politician in you basically is out to convince these elected officials that they need to spend more of the public's money purchasing books and providing places for the residents. Providing a library and information service to the citizens because it is a public good and that civic literacy is an important element of a civil society. Then then there's leadership. You're leading your organization. You're providing a leadership role in the community. In the case of the last five years, you're leading your organization through the amalgamation process as an example. You're leading the organization through the tumultuous change of the information revolution. Training, new technology, the role of an institution, how an institution functions, 
all of those sorts of things, gathering new ideas, bringing them back, helping the managers develop, and helping the managers develop into to being leaders of tomorrow. Okay. Um, another uh, an example of leadership is in the fall. We've been fortunate. Well, we've we've hired about ten new librarians in various parts of the organization. Most organizations haven't been able to hire the last few years, so this is a really exciting time in the organization. And all of, most of these new folks are millennials rather than baby boomers. So we, we're going to have a forum to talk about their dreams, their hopes, their expectations. We're trying to understand them and try to support them. You know, it's funny. I interviewed a senior person at the Library of Congress mm-hmm. in Washington mm-hmm. not that long mm-hmm. ago, and he was saying there's something like 140 million items in there, and, but only about 60 of them are booked. Uh, I suppose you see the percentage of the items in the library as books diminishing over the years, do you? Yeah, and that's sort of reflected by your budget as a little bit more of your budget goes to goes to non-English materials, non-English, non-French materials, but also to audiovisual or, or digital materials. Well, non-English, you mean also the languages are expanding from yeah. Chinese? Well, well, actually what we did was we reduced the number of languages we collected in, but we expanded the... We're, we're gradually adding to the amount that we spend in these languages. Yeah. But it's not only just acquiring the languages, you've got to get them into the catalog, and that's harder. There's, there's the cataloging and the language and all that stuff. Again, what you're doing is you're, you're reflecting as a librarian change in society. This revolution in the uh, in the information world, so people, uh, young people, are learning in different ways now. So you're reflecting that, but you're also reflecting it in increased multicultural society too. That's right. Yeah. What now, else are you doing? You're managing a huge institution, mm-hmm. and the managing is the budget, the personnel, the pay equity, the new health and safety regu- uh, act, the new accessibility act. All of the risk analysis that you have to do when you have uh, an institution, all of the new legislation and how it impacts and what are your ongoing, new and ongoing responsibilities and legal obligations yeah, in running any kind of an institution. I am liable to apply that legislation and to ensure that my, that my organization and my institution is complying with legislation. Like new accessibility legislation that's coming out from the province of Ontario. Which means what? Which means that our, we have to do an audit of our physical facilities and determine whether or not we are, our buildings comply with the new legislation. Which means what, though? What, what? Stairs, access, toilets, so, and again, elevators, all that stuff. But in addition to that, we have to consider increasingly whether our our electronics are accessible. In other words, can people with learning disabilities or sight disabilities access our catalog? Sensitivity and sensibility to the socially excluded part of the user the user base. Another big thing that we are going to be um, going into in more depth next. Right now, we've got a big literacy initiative going on. So we're working with all the literacy organizations in town in order to improve the whole level of service to the low literate community. We develop tools that uh, support the literacy teachers and the low literate functioning, low literacy functioning individuals to have better access to resources and more comfort. In other words, you, you basically want to make sure you've got stuff in the library that is going to help these people to become literate. That's right, that's right. Books that are easy to read, but also I would assume people that can teach. We consider ourselves a teaching library because we are constantly hosting library technicians. They come to do their practicums here. Librarians from library school, they do their practicums here. Librarians from Ghana and Germany, they do their practical experience here. Do you have people here on staff that teach people who are in our community that aren't literate to become literate? Uh, no, there are organizations that do that. So but, we work with your, those what's organizations. What's your role here then? Uh, I'll give you an, a perfect example: is that we worked with a number of agencies and organizations to produce a video, a video that is now on our website, available in eight languages: Arabic, Chinese, wow. Russian, Spanish. Anyway, there's eight of eight languages. So, and that is like an introduction to the library. So that's another type of literacy. But instead of doing it all by ourselves, we worked with the rest of the province in providing that sort of thing. And that's another part of the job, and that is the building of partnerships with both local organizations and provincial and national and international organizations to get the job done. 
there are things that you couldn't do without the partnership, no matter how much funding you had. I mean, we, we could look at Toronto Public Library and say, yeah, they get funded at the level of $60 per capita and we're around 35 or whatever. But they have dozens of partnerships too because they know that's how you get things done. One of the things we did over the last five years was to forge a partnership with the two university libraries and the Library Archives Canada and SISTI and all that stuff. Now the citizens of the city have free access to the two university libraries. They can walk in and use those libraries for free. Just get their little smart card at the desk. With their public, Ottawa public library? Well, they have to get a smart card because we have From to... Who? Well, you can get it at the, informa- at the, at the CERC desk. Here? Yeah. And yeah. then you can go to the That's right. library yeah, yeah. without being a student. No, you don't have to be a student. No. It's all about access. You're improving, you're improving access, aren't yeah. you? Yeah. You can also do a federated search of the public library and the two university libraries all at one time. What we find more and more is we have to discern which partnership. You've got to, you've got to choose your partnerships because you've only got so much time and energy yeah. and money, so you have to make sure that, you know, that, that it's a useful thing to do. Yeah. The other thing that we find we have to do more and more is, is raise external money. You had the first yeah. friends of That's public right, library. Yeah. So with in the friends, Canada. with the foundation, with negotiating really big grants from the federal government, but also we're we're trying to position us in the foundation to be like open for business to to make it easy for people to leave money to us in their will. Oh yes, yes, I just but saw that. I saw that you can actually put the name of someone in a book. Yeah, sure. Oh, yeah, that, that's, that's, but we, that's that. small money. We, that's small, but still, it's like neat, someone, left us, someone left the Friends a couple of years ago. They left them, them $250,000. Mm-hmm. Last year, someone left us $187,000. What's so interesting is this, you can fund a, one book and put the name of right. donate the or exactly, honor yeah. or whatever. Yeah. That's called the long tail. Mm-hmm. The Those long tail being thinking. that lots and lots of little teeny little donations will add up to the same as those big ones in time. Yeah, or people will think, you know, as they're sort of looking over their life and looking where they want to make a larger investment on a long-term basis for a, a relative or for themselves. If the library has been an important part of their life, then they will put the library in their will. Yeah. And that's what's happened with the last two cases. Those individuals were not known to the library. But unbeknownst to us, they had received good service. So in other words, what you uh, an, an area of future growth would be for someone to educate the public yeah. uh, as to the fact that, well, sure, maybe they know that they can donate to the, to the, general, to the mm-hmm. public library, mm-hmm. but maybe putting together a program that makes that even that's more right, yeah. interesting, facilit- that's more right, exciting, yeah. more what, you might give some profile. You know, here, if you do this, then you can get this. Exactly. For instance, for the... Uh, this year, well, we have a author gala every year, and, mm. and there's a level of sponsorship. We have a little sponsorship package, and sponsors can buy a box. They can buy recognition, and this, and, you know, for this much money, this is what you get, etc. But if you leave some money in your will, like a big chunk of money, you can get a plaque somewhere. Yeah, that's right. 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 Yeah, that's right. So they have, for the money that was left to the friends, there's a plaque for her. Uh, sometimes, I mean, we have an, any number of donors who don't want any recognition. No. They uh, And they've established funds for the library with the community foundation. They don't want anyone to know their name. That's not their interest. They just want to know that it's there and that it's doing good, and they want the relationship with the library administration and the board. I mean, the board always knows who it is, but they don't want their name to be known. That's not important to them. But it's still we have a, an ongoing obligation to relate to those individuals and to make sure that they get all the information they need so that they, are, they have the confidence in the institution. Okay. And this is increasingly a bigger part of the the work of a, of a, of a library and uh, the, board of, the board of management, the library, the senior staff. They're not specific to the library, though. specific no. to every organization. Yeah, that's right. You, know, that's you, right. you can't, you know, you, you yeah. have to get off the government to right. teach. That's right. Know, and that's what's happening. I mean, but the thing is that that will never happen to any significant extent. You will all, if this is a tax-funded institution. Yeah. But what we want to show is we're doing our share to spread the, the support around as much as possible. But so what is it, 20%? Oh, oh, no, we'd never get much more beyond 5%. 5%, so. the rest but of the But it government. just allows you to do special things. You yeah. know, you ra- For instance, we got a special grant to buy Aboriginal material. So that that's what was wonderful. From, got, from the Friends? Uh, no, that was from a foundation. Okay. We got a foundation. So, so we got $10,000 to invest. We got another, you know, a, a will that gave us money to buy um, resources in the the talking book area. We kind of, you know, we have a broad definition of that, of making those, of what that meant. 
we got some uh, some money from the genealogical Deci- uh, society to deepen our our resource base there yeah. we got some other money from the foundation to invest in the whole business service so that's both outreach to the business community but also investing in perhaps more in, in deeper business resources what, what we're getting at just to come back to our role is really you are um, you're a money generator that's what you need it seems to me that that we've been talking for the most part for the last hour on how you've been able to kind of forge relationships or make cases in favor of getting money. Right, that's a that's big part of the do. job. Uh, and in addition to the, the leadership, the management, what else? Anything else? Yeah, uh, the other thing is the whole professional leadership and it's different from community leadership. In other words, I consider it and the board considers considers it an important part of my job to provide leadership in the profession. In other words, I've just finished serving as a year president, year's president of the Canadian Library Association. For a year, you put more intensity into that job, which involves more direct work on national issues like copyright, all those sorts of things. So giving back to the profession. That's right, giving back to the profession. But then also enriching your experience, so you bring that back to the library. Exactly, and the opportunities are there to do it on a local basis, because there's local organizations on a provincial basis, on a national basis, and I've just finished a little stint doing it on an international basis, which then comes back to the country, Mm. because the international conference will be in Quebec City. But here you are, a city librarian. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's, it's not just obviously, you know, it's a fascinating role that you play. It's just so multifaceted. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As part of my volunteer job as president of CLA last year, I visited all the library schools because it's part of the leadership getting in touch with the students. Library you know, schools, meaning universities that the, the, teach the, six, libra- the seven library schools of the country, yeah. So you go to those schools and you talk to the students, and, and we at one reception, someone said, Is it true that you know everybody? I said, no, we don't know everybody, but if you, you know, it's a function of age. The longer you live and work in the, in the, in the sector, the more people you know. I said, but, but I do know a lot of people, so just watch. Just stick, stand beside me, and we'll see what happens with the next conversation. And it turns out the woman that came up, it's I knew her aunt. I knew her brother, her, her father. I knew where her summer cottage was. It was bizarre. It's that, you know, it's sort of bridging, it's connecting yeah. the generations. Yeah. And the older you get, the more you realize that you had mentors when you were young. And that you now have to play that role for the youngsters to bring, to do what you can to bring them. So I open my door to any young librarian I, I, I meet, and I invite them to come for tea. And what's, and they the, do. what's, the, what's the best piece of advice you can give them? Uh, I, I tell them a couple of things. One is, Get prepared to be a manager before you ever think you will be ready because it's going to happen because of the squish of the generations. You're going to have to manage things before you think you're ready to manage things. You'll think you're just being a regular librarian. But What, what does that mean? Well, you're going to have to manage teams. You can't just go in inside kind of like be a librarian on the desk. You're going to have to manage teams. You're so going to have to manage relationships with the community. So in other words, like the role of the librarian is almost the opposite of the stereotype of a librarian, which is a librarian, someone who's antisocial. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and that's the major thing is that if you're antisocial, then you might want to think about doing something else. And there are some library jobs, like any profession, where you can kind of be antisocial, but most of them require interaction with the client, with the client group, and most of them are political in terms of dealing sensitively and smartly with, with groups and perhaps individual patrons. I mean, we, we're constantly, uh, libraries are having sessions for their staff on how to deal with a difficult patron because you've got to know those things. So I tell, them, I tell them that because that's the reality right now. And uh, I also encourage them to get involved that networking is extremely important and get involved with their library associations. Mm-hmm. It, to begin, get on a committee, do, do some volunteer work because that is how, that, that will be a huge part of how they move through their job, their career. It's, it will be not a question of finding a job at and making an application. Yeah, it's who you know. The, it's, it's who you know so that you can find out when the jobs are coming up, that you can get a good, you know, that you know who to, who to pick up the phone and ask about what about this job and should I try all that sort of thing. So it's encouraging them to develop the the networks that they will need throughout their lives. We've uh, spent quite a bit of time together, which has uh, been fascinating. But this whole new area, but the future of the libraries, all mm-hmm. of that. But maybe mm-hmm. we should wait and do that for another. Yeah, we can because 
some people who think that the library is that, that the public library has no future. There's a huge group of people, and most studies indicate that the public thinks there is a future. Mm. And what's fascinating is that there's massive amounts of money being invested in library facilities in this on this continent. Which is, which is wonderful because, it, you know, again, just to, to not to, to get too far into it, but the, the basically it is as a place. It is a meeting place. Yeah, it's a whole concept and, of and library you know, as a place. Yeah, yeah as, as a place. You said early, very early mm -hmm. on in the discussion, it's, it, it seems to be that that's where we're going. It's, it's a place, a wonderful place to exchange ideas and, and, and learn and get, get more mm -hmm. information. I think that's interesting. It's interesting how these big box bookstores, like chapters, have been sort of getting into that area. That's right. They're wonderful. Now, again, they've taken all the soft chairs out of there I because know. they don't sell product. Exactly. But, but I think one of the reasons that they're so successful is that they're a destination. They're such a lovely place to yeah. go to. Yeah. You mean you go there and you spend a few hours and you yeah. feel good. Yeah. You feel good because you're learning stuff and you... And there's and lots of people there. Right, there's, yeah. you know, and uh, obviously they love books as well. That topic is one that I know yeah. we should. And, and, and how and these two are, meet. Yeah, where cities they are meet. using. I can cite two examples where the cities use the development of their library system as the lead in terms of community development. Yeah, yeah. Chicago has done that. Three places. Jacksonville, Jack, city of Jacksonville, Florida is eight pop. Exactly the same size as, as Ottawa in terms of population. It's spread out like Ottawa is, although not quite as much. They had, over the past six or seven years, they've had something called the Better Jacksonville Plan, $2.2 billion of development. $150 million for the library. But the library project, because obviously there were 17 other projects, was the public-facing project. It's what the people could see they were getting for their money. And they, and they kind of used the library as the, the touchy-feely, your neighborhood development kind of thing. So that so Chicago did that, Jacksonville did that, and Ottawa's uh, going to do that, right? Well, um, the, I think that the opening of the south of the Greenboro District Library has been a real eye opener for for people, and particularly for people on council to see this is what it means. This is what the new face of the public library is, because we have a lot of older facilities, and they they're bad, like many things in the city, they need they're badly in, in need of redevelopment. And so you walk into some of the libraries, they do look traditional. You know, we've made some changes, but but to see a brand new library cost effectively developed but with a whole new sort of concept is very and so I think they're there lots of people are catching the excitement there. Wonderful. So thank you very much for sharing the excitement that you have about your role and giving us an idea of what the role of a librarian is all about. Thank you. Barber Club is the city librarian in Ottawa, Canada.